And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. On the phone line with us today is Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr. He serves as a professor at Reformation Bible College. Dr. Sproul, it's great to have you here. Happy to be with you. Before we open the mics today, we talked about doing a segment on family and including Christian education as part of that and figured that you'd have a lot to uh, a lot of insight on that. So maybe you can get us started today, Dr. Sproul. Well, I can tell you that uh, in God's mercy, he's blessed uh, my family with eight children. And um, from the time that my first one was born, uh, my wife and I made the decision by God's grace that we would, in seeking to raise the children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that we would give them uh, an education that was not only uh, included the Bible, that not only was grounded in the Bible, but that would be the Bible and it would be in submission to the Bible. Uh, that's uh, the, the ultimate bottom line for us. I know that the Bible is that which gives life and meaning and direction and wisdom, the way the Bible describes itself. It's a lamp unto our feet, and that's what I wanted to give my children. And so we we, we embrace this idea that if education is the, the passing on to our children of our most deeply uh, held convictions and beliefs, then we certainly couldn't envision uh, an education that was distinct from or separate from uh, a distinctly Christian education. And when we looked at the Bible, we saw that the Bible says that we're to speak to our children of the things of God when they lie down and when they rise up, and so we, we determined to homeschool the kids. And i got to tell you, as a homeschooler, I speak at homeschool conventions fairly regularly. I've written a book on homeschooling. I get a lot of folks wanting me to give a clear, concise, proof-texted argument that the Bible says we have to do this. And, and I'm, at some level, I'm willing to do that. I, I, think the, I think it can be done. But at the end of the day, uh, what we find is we do with all of God's Word. What we find is that if you do what God says, He blesses you. And we found homeschooling to be a joy and a delight our children found it to be a joy and a delight. And I know a lot of folks who hear about this, they're, they're thinking, oh, it's going to be miserable. Now, the very first person I persuaded to homeschool is a very dear friend of mine, and she actually lives in the town I grew up in. And when her oldest child came to be school age, she called me up on the phone. I'm several states away now, and she said, well, you know, do you think I should send my son uh, to the public school? Do you think I should send it to the private school that you went to? There's another school an hour away that I might consider. And I said, I think you should homeschool them. And, you know, back then, this was a long time ago, we still got that um, response of, do they let you do that? And <laughs> that's what she asked me. And uh, I assured her that they did. And, and we ended the conversation with me not persuading her. And we had another conversation a few weeks later, another conversation a few weeks later. And finally, uh, after many weeks, she called me up. She said, Jim and I, that's her husband, we're so excited. We're going to homeschool our son, and uh, we've got this room laid aside in the house, and I'm going to get one of these big metal desks from the surplus store and put up a chalkboard, and we're going to come down every day. We're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. And I said, stop. <laughs> she said, what is it? I said, do you really think that all this time that I've been talking to you, that I've been asking you to take the government school and shrink it down to size and stick it in your living room? Right. That's not what we're talking about here. Of course, I want your children to be able to do their math, and I want them to be able to read and all the, know their history. But I'm talking about something profoundly different. 
homeschooling our children should be home discipling our children. It's about training them for who they're supposed to be, not what job they're supposed to get. And so you need to be focused on, on their character. You need to be focused on, again, giving them the Bible. And, and, again, that's what we've done. That's what we've been blessed with. My children have done perfectly well academically, very well, in fact. Um, but the blessing has been to see them grow in grace and wisdom. The blessing has been spending time with them. The blessing has been seeing them uh, become, as each of them grows older, more and more uh, mature Christian adults. I love that uh, idea. Um, it's very biblical that our concern needs to be over who they are supposed to be, not just not just the end point, not just the job that, that eventually they'll acquire. And um, how many times have we seen, you know, in the workplace that a lot of the friction and the problems and, and everything revolves around who the person is? Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the, the world has bought this idea that the way that we succeed in life is we acquire a set of skills that the market demands, and then therefore we can command a high salary and then make a lot of money and then be very happy. But that's not at all uh, the picture of how you have a good life in Scripture, nor is it even the picture of how you ha- grow wealthy. Mm-hmm. Now, the Bible's not opposed to wealth, but wealth is the fruit of character, if it's done rightly. It's not the fruit of specialized skills. And so I'm, I'm less concerned about giving my children this skill set or that skill set. I want them to be diligent. I want them to be hardworking. I want them to be children who can delay gratification, who can work now and play later. Uh, these are the kinds of character issues that not only make kids pleasant to be around and, and, and grow up to become adults that are pleasant to be around, but, can, but that does lead uh, to prosperity. Mm. You know, we're probably speaking right now to many families who perhaps some are, are homeschooling. And I'm thinking uh, sometimes uh, the moms especially may feel a certain weariness set in. Um, any advice or words of encouragement for those moms? Well, absolutely. I, I can tell you, without wanting to, to you know, read a specific situation that I don't really know about, in general, what I see when I hear that concern, which is, again, perfectly understandable, is this. Most of the time we grow weary, and this happens not only to homeschool moms, but to all of us. What makes us weary is when we're trying to serve two masters. Jesus says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And that means that when we submit to his law, uh, we find ourselves not worn out. But what we tend to do, this is, again, across the board amongst Christians, we, we tend to sort of blend together uh, the, the Word of God, the law of God, with our expectations of the good life or the normal life out in this world. I always remind folks that, that when you read through your, your, your Bible, you read this particularly in the Old Testament, if you want to see the problems that God's people fell into time and again, more often than not, the key issue was idolatry. God's people falling into idolatry. These are God's people. These are not the heathens. These are God's chosen people brought into the land of promise, and time and again they fall into idolatry. But the idolatry they fall into is very rarely, if ever, a situation where they say, you know what, we're tired of Yahweh, he's not working out, we're looking over the border, and these Philistines are having a great time worshiping Baal, let's switch our allegiances, let's, let's switch sides, and we'll start worshiping Baal and see how that goes for us. It's not what they did. What they did was they practiced what we call syncretism. They blended together the worship of the true and living God with the God of the nations around them. 
And if that's what God's people did all over and over again in the Old Testament, it's a pretty good clue about what we're tempted to fall into as well. Mm. And I suspect that's what we do. What we do is we, we want to keep up with the Joneses. We want our children to be able to, to, to do, be the best and the brightest in the standards according to the world while we're also trying to hit our own standards as well. So we have moms oftentimes trying to please the school superintendent and please Jesus, trying to please the their, uh, their own parents, the children's grandparents, and please Jesus, trying to please their own expectations and trying to please Jesus. And we're called to put aside those idols, to tear them down and to, and to not sweat these things and not worry about these things. You know, my wife, uh, about tw- 12 years ago, was dealing with breast cancer. At that time, I worked at home and uh, I, I came up from my basement office, uh, you know, at the end of the day, and, and she was recovering from surgery, and I, I, I sat beside her on the bed. I said, sweetheart, how was, how was your day? And she said, oh, I, I feel terrible. I didn't get any school done today. I said, well, tell me, tell me about what happened. She said, well, you know, I, I just had the surgery, and so here I am trying to rest, and uh, the 10-year-old and the 8-year-old, they came in the bed with me, and I read them a story, and we talked about their day. And the 12-year-old made lunch for the 10-year-old and the 8-year-old. And this, you know, all of this, what my wonderful wife was doing was managing the household from the bed mm. and teaching the children how to faithfully serve her and her need, how to faithfully serve each other in their needs. And I said, sweetheart, this is the ideal homeschool day. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> this is not a failure. Now, again, please don't misunderstand. My my children, again, they're, they're perfectly capable uh, as students. I, I my uh, my son just graduated from Reformation Bible College at 19 years old. My firstborn daughter graduated at 19 years old. My mm-hmm. third child is 16, and she's going into her junior year here at Reformation Bible College. They're doing fine. They're bright kids, and you know. But one of the things, and this is also good counsel for for moms, because I had to give it to my own wife. I said, sweetheart, if you will teach the children to read, I will give them good books. Mm. That's what you need to worry about. You teach them to read, you give them good books, and they're going to do great. They're going to do fine. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned reading, because it seems like that's such a key part of our education. Um, our, our oldest son... He, he developed a love for reading, and he, and he read a lot of books, and I think it rounds you out. Well, it doesn't just rounds you out. It brings in information. Again, it, it, it trains the mind. It does 101 things. I've I, I got to tell you another st- story about this process. My, my firstborn, uh, Darby, she uh, was uh, you know, learned to read at a very young age, and even before she could read, she loved being read to so much that she'd memorized literally all of the books that we read to her, <laughs> like hundreds of them. So that if you if you made a mistake when you're reading and you said the cat instead of a cat, she would suddenly say no 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 it's the cat. Oh wow! So she would correct us like that. But as she got older, we had a hard time, a deep challenge, trying to find books that uh, were engaging to her, that were challenging to her, that were not beyond her in terms of her life experience. We couldn't give her complete adult books, and my wife was concerned about this. And I said, oh sweetheart, I'll take care of this. <laughs> I went into the you know the bookshelf and I found uh, Robinson Crusoe. Now this was not uh, you know the uh, the little shortened version for kids. This is the full bore, beginning to end, ancient, real Robinson Crusoe. 
450 pages. I said, look, I'll give this to Darby. It'll slow her down. It'll keep her busy for a while. So I gave it to her that evening at about 6.30. 10.30 the next morning, she comes down to my office. She says, thank you, Dad. I really enjoyed this book. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, I had a whole lot more sympathy for my wife and her concern. Oh, my. She, she put me to shame <laughs> in terms of her reading. You know, today we're talking with Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr., and um, we're talking specifically about education in the home. And, uh, R.C., before I forget, uh, lest we run out of time, if a listener wants to uh, touch base uh, with things you've written, um, visit a website, link, blog, whatever, what would you recommend to them? I suggest they go visit rcsproljr.com. That's R.C., last name is Sproul, S-P-R-O-U-L-J-R.com. RCSproljr.com. I've got uh, uh, a podcast that comes out three days a week and, and two fresh uh, blog pieces every week as well. Oh, beautiful. So that's rcsprolljr.com. So thank you yep. for that. And we'll put it up on our website when this goes up as a podcast. Uh, another thing that came into my mind, it may be, RC, it may be related to the, the earlier th- concern about weariness, and that is the, the emotion of fear a parent may may feel um, as as the state uh, seemingly grows more and more and is more and more intrusive into our lives, fear that uh, of I guess the unknown and and I don't know lawsuits or whatever. How do you how do you deal with all the fear that may develop? Well, there are a number of uh, outstanding organizations out there that are committed uh, to protecting homeschooling rights. Uh, every state has its own state organization. Uh, our family is a member of the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Uh, for something like $100, $150 a year, you sort of put them on retainer. And if you have a, a homeschooling legal issue, they will come by your side. They will provide representation, and they've never lost a single case. Mm. I'm also a member of an organization called Heritage Defense that actually deals with some of the even tougher cases that the HSLDA is not able to manage. So those kinds of things, I think, can go far to to putting you at ease. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, if, if as bad as things are, and certainly I want people to be diligent in protecting our rights generically in terms of homeschooling. Sure. Uh, the, the, in this country, anyway, in most states, it's not a burdensome uh, hassle uh, to homeschool, and the government tends to not be uh, intrusive, and there's a very good reason for that. Uh, if they go after us, uh, you know, they end up exposing their own failure. Mm-hmm. We know, for instance, that homeschooled students, uh, on average, tend to score in the uh, in standardized tests in the 83rd to 86th percentile. Uh, so you don't want to be, uh, you know, arguing that homeschooling doesn't do the job when we're beating them at their tests. Um, so there, there really isn't that much. Uh, I, I'm old enough to remember uh, the last great push against homeschooling. Mm-hmm. This was back in 1994, and legislation was sponsored uh, at the federal level uh, in the House of Representatives called H.R. 6, House Resolution 6, that would have uh, required that anyone teaching any child be licensed by the state and approved by the state as a teacher. So essentially, you'd have to have a... a, a uh, a BA in education in order to be a teacher. Well, when that that uh, legislation was proposed, uh, HSLDA went into full uh, operational mode, and and uh, the phone trees lit up. And back in the day, this is before many of us were on the internet. Uh, the fax machine started humming and buzzing, and the 
government got more mail and tech and faxes and every other, and phone calls got more response on this legislation than any piece of legislation ever proposed in the history of the United States up until that point. Hmm. Amazing. It was so overwhelmingly in favor of homeschooling that when the bill was actually brought up on the House of Representatives, it fa- actually it was in the Senate, it failed 99 to 1. Hmm. In- including people that voted against it, included the people who sponsored it in the first place. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a, uh, you know, I don't want to de- deny the importance of uh, vigilance and uh, care, but I, I want us to, to realize uh, that that cat's been let out of the bag, and it's mm. going to be a very difficult thing for the government to try and get it back. Oh, that, that's very helpful. A um, couple more things before we run out of time, R.C. One is um, the idea that each child is unique, and we probably don't want a cookie-cutter approach, and also the role of worship in the family and in the child's lives. Well, of course, every every child is different, and every child needs different things, and our circumstances, uh, not only are children different, but they're different from themselves mm. at different times in their lives. You know, it's one of the reasons why I believe the Bible does teach that we're supposed to homeschool, because no one knows your child better than you do. No one knows what they need better than you do. But there's also this. There are certain things in this world that we can delegate to other people, and there are certain things that we can't. This morning I got up and I I did my push-ups and I did my two-and-a-half-mile walk and I did my other exercises. I can't delegate that to one of my children. Hey, go take a walk for Daddy. I had too much ice cream last night. I need you to (laughs) burn some calories for me. You can't do that. And in the same way, in in Deuteronomy chapter 6, when God calls upon parents to teach their children who God is and what God's done and what God says, what God's law is, you can't delegate that because it's in the teaching that we also have the learning. That's a a wonderful example that would be specifically in family worship. You know, I, I was raised in the home of a theologian. I went to a Christian college. I went to seminary. But I didn't begin to learn to memorize any of the Scripture until I had my own children, and we're sitting down at the dinner table, and we're doing Bible memory work as part of our family worship. Mm-hmm. That's how I learned my own uh, catechism, Northminster Shorter Catechism, mm-hmm. teaching it to my children, because that's what happens. When we teach, we learn. And let me, let me also say one thing about the, into that, that fear issue. A lot of folks are, are afraid that they're not qualified to homeschool. I think they misunderstand what, what what's needed. I have a very close friend whose wife was struggling with that very fear. She said, I'm not smart enough. I didn't graduate from college. I don't think I'm good enough to, to homeschool the kids. And my friend said to her, because he's such a pastoral soul, he said, well, what are the three main forms of rocks? And his wife looked at him like he obviously wasn't listening to her concern. <laughs> this was a complete non sequitur. What are you talking about? He said, no, no, just tell me, what are the three main forms of rocks? And she said, oh, uh, volcanic, meteoritic, and uh, Ignatius Loyola. I don't know (laughs) what the three forms of rock are. And he said to her, and yet you managed to be a godly woman. Mm. And all of a sudden, she calmed down. What what he's saying to her is, "Look, look, there are things out there that other people think your children need to know. And here's the reality. If your children really need to know it, you need to know it. Mm-hmm. 
There's nothing out there that's necessary for that. I'm not saying it's a bad thing to know the forms of rocks or other things that I don't know. I'm glad somebody knows those things. But what my children need to know is how to live a godly life. Mm, Well put. So I guess that leads right into uh, worship with the people of God. Well, let me just uh, say this. Uh, It's... it's one of the the great things about homeschooling is it cultivates a family consciousness, a family identity. It's it's a shared life. It's not a bunch of people who live in the same house and who maybe a few times a week intersect at the dinner table if you're lucky. Uh, but their you know but their shared life is the the dry erase board on the refrigerator telling everybody where everybody is. Uh, you know, you, you've got to be able to, to, to share your life together. And when you do that, ironically, I mean, there are people who are sort of suspicious about homeschoolers because, you know, they think we parents are sort of mean-spirited dictators who are simply about the business of creating copies of us or little, little soldiers for our own kingdoms. Mm. Well, the reality, though, is that that... My family is a family of soldiers of the King. We are together following Jesus. It's not that I'm following Jesus and I'm dragging my children behind me. It's that all of us are doing this, which means, by the way, that you know, when we're talking about the importance of, of owning our sin and repenting of our sin, we as parents have to model that for our kids and do that not only in front of our kids, but to our kids. Mm. When, when we lose our temper, we need to be the ones saying, I sinned against you, will you forgive me? We need to be, be again, showing the kids not that there's two kinds of people in the world, adult believers and children waiting to join their ranks. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're all walking on this path together. We're all following Jesus together. We're all called to the same obedience. We're all called to the same worship. We're all called to continue to learn new things about who he is and what he's done. And so we have that shared experience uh, that, that you know comes out in our homeschooling, and it comes out in our family worship, and it comes out in our corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Because when we go to the co- meet with the congregation on Sunday, we go together. We don't send the, the, the teenagers off to this other room over here where they right. have their teenager worship, and we don't send the kids off to be babysat and look at veggie tales. We are all there together worshiping the living God. I love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, we're almost to the end here. I'm talking today with Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr. He's a professor at Reformation Bible College, and uh, R.C., um, uh, we're so sorry, of course, that some time ago now, you, you lost your dear wife, who passed on. Um, you have eight children, and I imagine your hands are very full at times. Well, yeah, absolutely. Let me also add that about the uh, the, the being tired part. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's a very uh, wise woman, Nancy Wilson, who uh, served my wife very faithfully when she wrote in one of her books, don't think when you're worn out at the end of the day that it's a sign that you've done something wrong. Amen. You know, it, it, it is hard work to raise our children and nurture and admonition of the Lord, but there's nothing more rewarding, nothing more important. And all those enticements at Vanity Fair are just that. They're enticements and they're vanity. Mm. Oh, well put. Today we've been talking with Dr. R.C. Sproul, Jr. To check him out online. Go to rcsproljr.com. That's spelled R-C-S-P-R-O-U-L-J-R.com. And R.C., thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Happy to be with you. 
And a quick reminder, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. Little trees grow up to be big ones And big ones sometimes fall to the ground And little boys climb up to the top of the world And most of the time come tumbling down I will do what I can To help you avoid that fall Most of the time, most of the time, come tumbling down.